welcome back to this series, HRT is Good For You. I'm your host, Chloe Russell, and on today's episode, I talk to Professor John Studd about the menopause and the symptoms of the menopause. If you haven't already looked up Professor John Studd's credentials online, I recommend you doing so. He definitely knows his way around his industry. It's a pleasure to have him on this podcast, sharing his year's worth of knowledge on hormones, and let's get straight into the conversation with him now. Hello, Professor. How are you today? Fine, thank you. Good. Well, in today's episode, we will be discussing the menopause symptoms. So let's start from the fundamentals. Can you explain to me what the menopause is? Well, the menopause is when the periods stop at the years after cessation of periods. But in fact, the menopausal symptoms start years before the periods stop. And that's very important because not only does the symptoms come before the period stops, but they're more severe in that area we call the menopausal transition. That's in the two, three or five years before the period stop. That's when the symptoms are really bad. After that, you have the classical menopausal symptoms of flushes, sweats and vaginal dryness. But the depression seems to be less. Can we discuss the more common menopause symptoms? Well, common, yes. Well, the, well the, the ones that no one would dispute, the ones I mentioned, hot flushes, sweats, and vaginal dryness, they're mm. very straightforward. It's, it's hard to understand what causes the hot flushes and light sweats. And people for 50 years have studied this intensely with hormone levels and enzymes and brain scans and whatever. And there still there is no answer to what causes hot flushes and sweats. Now, the vaginal dryness, the other main symptom, that's quite straightforward because women lose estrogens, they lose the estrogen stimulation to the vagina and the uterus, and they get dry and sore and get discharged and so on. And that's easy. The other ones are just as severe, and that's depression, insomnia, headache, bladder problems, bone pain, joint pain. They're just Mm. severe, but they're not classical in that they're not often recognized as such. That's the dilemma. And these are the less common menopause symptoms? Well, they're hardly less common, but they're just not recognized by everybody as being menopausal in the way that flushes and sweats are. Let's Mm. take depression, for example. Now, uh, depression is caused by a thousand things, but one thing is very important in women is that women have these hormonal fluctuations that related to mood, and men do not. And that is why women get postnatal depression, why they get premenstrual depression, and why they get depression around the time of the menopause and the so-called menopause transition. Do women who suffer with severe PMS experience stronger symptoms of the menopause? It varies a lot, but I don't think that PMS causes more menopausal symptoms. The depression of PMS gets worse with age. Then after the menopause, when the cycle goes, the cycle depression goes. But no, I, I think if we're talking about menopause and depression, it's just as bad in women without a history of PMS. Is there any positive symptoms of the menopause? None. 
I can't. None. I, oh, no. I, well, <laughs> well, I suppose um, if you're troubled with heavy bleeding and painful bleeding, that stops. Okay. But then again, if such a woman goes on HRT, she'll get her periods back, which may not be too helpful. Mm. You mentioned tiredness of the menopause. What causes this tiredness? Well, a multitude of things, and, and mostly... I suppose, is because they're not sleeping very well. They have insomnia because they have night sweats and they're changing their nighty all the time or whatever, their wet sheets, and their brain's racing away and they can't relax. So they wake up tired. So that's all part of the symptomatology of the menopause. Is insomnia quite common? Insomnia is very common, and it's one of the first symptoms that that many women have premenopause that brings them to the doctor. And I think it's probably our third or fourth most common symptom that we see patients for. And what about sexual problems? Is that quite common? And can it actually swing the other way? Is there women that experience better sex life during the menopause? Yeah, not really. I mean, of course, after the menopause, there's no longer any fear of pregnancy. So superficially, that may be a reason for better sexuality after menopause. But in general, the libido decreases, mm. the sexual response decreases. They have few orgasms or more difficult orgasms, and they have less intercourse per year. And so often we have women who have had intercourse once a year when they're 50, well, after treatment, they're having intercourse twice a week, which is about right, I suppose. Yeah. Gosh, and I guess that also adds into vaginal dryness if the woman is feeling discomfort. Well, that's right. It's a combination of poor libido, poor response, poor orgasms, no fun, and it's painful. So that's no good. No. And we mentioned depression. How about anxiety? Is that affected at all by the menopause? Well, that's a tricky one. Yes, it is. It is. The whole bunch of things, anxiety, depression, panic attacks, and so on. But of all the symptoms that we can treat with hormones, the one that responds least well is anxiety. Mm. So that's a problem. We can treat depression. We can treat mood problems and mood swings. Anxiety is more difficult. You can treat panic attacks, which occur at the menopause with hormones, and that responds well. And you can sometimes treat anxiety, but it's the least predictive, the least good responder. That's anxiety. And those are patients, as much as I hate antidepressants, um, <laughs> uh, they're the sort of patients that might benefit from a psychiatrist's um, skilled treatment with antidepressants and tranquilizers. Has there been much research on the correlation between anxiety and hormones in the past? Yes, it's all unconvincing. Obviously, there are enormous numbers of causes of anxiety, but I don't think that Eastern therapy is a major factor in this, or Eastern deficiency. It's a major factor in in depression, etc., but anxiety is a little more difficult, a much more difficult. A bit more complicated too, I imagine. Absolutely. 
So on the topic of heads and mental problems, how about the more physicality, headaches? Is that an issue with menopause? Yes, headaches are very common. Headaches Mm. are very, very common. And that often is treatable by estrogens. And more so, of course, before the menopause, women get menstrual headaches or menstrual migraine, Mm, which occurs every month for two or three days. And it's not treatable with the usual meagerness therapy. But because it's cyclical, because it occurs with a period, it responds if you wipe out the periods, wipe out the cycles with estrogens. And there are a few neurologists now that understand that and are doing that because the treatment is so efficient in women who have suffered years of menstrual migraine. The secret is that this headache is cyclical. If it's cyclical, look at the periods. That's interesting. Is that quite common? It's very common. Oh, Oh, interesting. And how about bladder problems? I hear that this is an issue with menopause. What, What causes this? Yes, that is a big problem. With the loss of estrogen, there's a loss of collagen, loss of collagen from from the mucosa and the muscle. And women start having frequency. Um, Mm. They have to get up at night two or three times around the time of the menopause. So that's one problem. And another problem is difficulty in micturition, difficulty in passing urine. I see. And so often these women see a urologist and they have a dilatation of the urethra under anesthesia. And it works for two or three months, but that's not the answer. The answer is estrogens and not surgical dilatation. And they all get better. These women who at the end of the menopause, or at the time of the menopause, have frequency, and then they have this sort of stuttering micturition and a poor flow that can be treated with estrogens. And of course, the fact that they're passing urine two or three times a night is bad for sleep, insomnia, and they wake up tired. So it's all a vicious circle, all related to one another. Mm. You mentioned that there's a few years before the menopause where the symptoms are worse. Is there a point where you should be taking HRT to to supplement the menopause before they naturally begin to get worse? Oh, absolutely. I think it's very worthwhile starting treatment before the menopause when the symptoms occur. This may be age 40, 45, in women who are about to have a cessation period at 50. Because as Mm. I said before, the worst menopausal symptoms are in the two or three years before the menopause. The menopausal transition And that's when you should start treatment for these symptoms. I see. Does pregnancy impact the menopause later on at all? No. These women normally feel well during pregnancy. They may get postnatal depression. When the periods came back, they may get premenstrual depression. And then they go on to their menopausal problems there in the transition. And their menopause isn't any different to a woman that didn't carry a baby? Not really. Okay. 
Looking at all these common and uncommon symptoms, how do we treat these problems? Is it HRT? Is it a healthy lifestyle? Is it a mixture of both? Well, a healthy lifestyle is good for all of us, men and women. And there's a lot to be said about that, and there's a lot more that a lot of people understand it more than I do. I understand hormones, and the and the answer is quite clear that these women need estrogens. And it is safer to give estrogens to the skin than by mouth. And so therefore, they'll have transdermal gels or transdermal patches or really transdermal implants for their symptoms. Mm. And that's much safer than oral therapy. In women with a, also a libido and energy problem, I would also add testosterone. I was going to ask about testosterone. And again, not by mouth, but through the skin. Mm. And how about progesterone during the menopause treatment? Is that a no-no? or is Well, that... that's important. Progesterone is important in women that have a, a uterus. Okay. Otherwise, they'll get an overstimulation of the lining of the womb. And the progesterone for 10 or 12 days a month sheds the endometrium so they do not get overstimulation. Uh, and they will have regular scanty periods instead of occasional very heavy periods. So we've spoken about the three elements of HRT, which is estrogen, testosterone and progesterone. Yes. And if I was a patient coming to your clinic, how would you diagnose the correct prescription of the balance of these three hormones per person? Well, the, the dose is much the same, but it would depend upon your age, your bone density, your symptoms. If you had mild menopausal symptoms, you'd have a low dose of estrogen. If you had more severe premenstrual depression, you'd have a higher dose. If you had very poor bone density, uh, you might get a higher dose. But none of these doses are abnormal. Well, thank you, Professor. Have you got any more comments on the menopause? No, I'm fine. I think we covered everything. It's a fascinating area. It's fascinating because it's so easy to treat and it's so poorly treated. That's a tragedy. Hello and welcome back. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation on the menopause. If you have any questions about what we covered in this episode, or any other episode for that matter, you can ring the London PMS and Menopause Clinic, where someone will be very happy to cover any of your personal queries. As always, thank you for listening, and we look forward to welcoming you next time. Take care.